Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-host, Null. Hello. Sick Robot. What's up? And Spleenface. Hey, everyone. Uh, so in this episode, we are going to be covering Should You Be Playing Stacks? But before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Anyone want to kick things off? Yeah? Yeah. Sure. Uh, some of us went to a tournament for uh, EDH doubles uh, where you play with a partner. It's not to a giant. You sit across from each other um, and it's like a very competitive event. Uh, so Null and I went and we uh, came second and... And uh, yeah... Uh, Myself, I went with a friend of the show, Turnip. It's my partner, and it was our first time, and you know... Beginners, no, no beginner's luck was granted to us. Yeah, we, we, we went, uh, we went uh, to 1-2, uh, sorry, and uh, yeah, we didn't prize. <laughs> oh, and this month, Planeswalkers were legal commanders, yeah, so I played Tezzer at the Seeker, and... Yeah. Just to just to give a context for how <laughs> was, was good. different it is uh, from like regular EDH, the winners of that uh, tournament were playing. Uh, one partner was on Boros, and the, they're the Boros partners from uh, Battlebond. So. Sylvia and Corvac. <laughs> yeah, and then the other partner was on uh, Bruce Tarl Krom, and you know. Double strike hurts a lot. <laughs> Turns, at 30 life. Starting at 30 life. Turns out if you can eliminate one of your opponents, it's very easy to win two versus one. Yeah. Uh, Sick, anything for you? Uh, I've been back at it online recently. Mm-hmm. Testing out a new absolutely sick brew that I have no license to talk about right now, unfortunately. Top secret. But... <laughs> if you guys want to check it out, it's on. There's a post on Reddit. Uh, it was a collaboration with me, uh, Siggy from the Lab Men, and then good old Lurker and Shaper from the CDH Discord. And we made something that is frankly great, and I'm sure Nell can attest to this. Yes. <laughs> it's sick, and it's got some awesome tech. So uh, hold out, hold out for a week or so, and we'll get the spicy tech to you on the podcast. But it's, until then, it's only weakness is pre order prices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no way way to just give away <laughs> okay but uh yeah so without further ado let's jump into housekeeping and uh i'll kick things off uh so as we mentioned in our last episode we just launched a patreon and uh this patreon helps cover costs like hosting fees allows us to improve our audio quality by upgrading our microphones and eventually down the line hiring a professional editor for the podcast uh, as incentive for your support beyond just the standard rewards, we decided we'd add a stretch goal of doubling the number of episodes we release. That's right. If we get $50 in Patreon support per month, uh, we will be releasing bi-monthly episodes of the podcast. Uh, and, you know, just to, just to say this, like, this podcast really is just a passion project for us at this point. So before we double down on our time commitment, we really want to be sure this is something you guys are interested in. So if you are interested in more frequent episodes of the podcast... Uh, please be sure to pledge whatever you feel comfortable with uh, at patreon.com slash into the north podcast uh, you know and with that let's give a shout out to our newest patrons uh, so our first patron is timmy t1000 uh, we also got uh, pay, uh, uh, support from the meta worker aka jim from the spike feeders 
we got a, another Patreon in Scotty G, uh, and you can find him on twitch.tv slash scottyknowsmtg. And last but not least, the Mystic Remoras, who also have a Twitch and YouTube page, and you can find them at the Mystic Remoras on those platforms. Uh, finally, uh, Sick, our last bit of uh, housekeeping. Yeah, uh, we are going to be releasing the Modern Horizon set review soon, TM. Uh, yeah, you guys heard it right. You were getting doubled into the North this month. Sort of a, a toe-in-the-water. A, a sneak peek. Yeah, a sneak peek a little, of what's to come. Yeah, it's going to be pretty huge. Uh, yeah, so this is what it'll be like yeah. if you if we hit that uh, that patron that patron goal. So, uh, yeah. you know. Okay, then. Moving on to new developments. Uh, Sick, do you want to you kick things off with this? Sure. I got a couple. I got a twofer here. Um, got a couple of really, really awesome videos from the lab men for two decks that I have collaborated with Siggy from the lab men on, Siggy Lobster on the Discord. Um, Curious Control and Shufflehawk both have deck decks up right now. You guys should probably go check them out. Two awesome decks. Uh, I know the Shuffleholic one is about a month old. Unfortunately, the last episode was recorded and dropped right before that release. So I had to wait a month to shill yeah. it. But you guys can go check that out right now because it's pretty sick. We go through all the ins and outs of it, get really down in the nitty gritty of the deck, and yeah, pretty yeah, and, entertaining, in my opinion. So that was that was recorded. Uh, a while ago and just releasing now so it is a bit out of date on some of the newer tech but yeah. a lot of the a lot of the main core ideas are still in place and it's still great like, to get a, a great start intro in, to the yeah, deck yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then along with that Dan and Siggy did a great deck tech on the Curious Control slash Four Color Rashmi slash 4CR slash whatever you want to call it yeah. <laughs> best Thrasios file deck ever created IMO TVH <laughs> um, if you love casting some good old fashioned card advantage engines counter spells and board wipes in CDH and doing some great old control stuff and spending like 10 turns winning the game this is probably the deck for you do you enjoy other too. people not playing magic <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you enjoy saying the words no, nope, uh, hold on, I have a response? <laughs> thinking, yeah. thinking. Yeah. All right, I'm going to cast Reap, targeting three spells. Oh I know one of them is a counter spell. Yeah. Give me a bit. <laughs> okay, uh, so next up, uh, Spleen. Uh, yeah, so we got the Consultation Cast Shell, or the Cast Consultation Core, depending on where you look. And this was a collaborative uh, effort between... Uh, Wedge, Redshift, and Sug, and uh, they're some of the best uh, consultate, cast consultation players. And so they came together and they made a list that has sort of the the core of the deck, which is the cards that every list should be running. And then they uh, sort of added some meta calls and tech choices and things that you could be running. Um, and it's a really useful resource and it's kind of a new way of looking at decks where they actually already laid out which tech choices you can be making rather than sort of explaining why they made the ones they made. Um, and it's awesome to see people collaborating, uh, people who play the same decks collaborating to make resources like that. And um, we see more of it. I'm going to just tag on to that. Something that, that could have been under housekeeping as well is that uh, our next special episode is actually uh, where we're in development and where we're in the, uh, the phases where we're kind of making the announcement and getting uh, questions from the audience. So we're going to be uh, 
we're, we're working with some players who are in the console experts in the consultation archetype. Um, I don't know. Should we announce who we have or? Yeah, I think it would be a good idea. Sure. Okay. So it's going to be uh, sick. will be hosting and we're going to have a uh, red shift uh, sug and uh, wedge uh, who are going to be on as our expert guests. So you should go check out the Grixis mean girls server or uh, it might be on some other servers. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll try to, get up as many panels as possible i think we'll probably have one on on our server for yeah. you guys to ask questions on definitely at least um definitely grix's mean girl server um and then i'm sure you guys can ping into any one of us and submit questions directly if you need yeah, to so this is this is a prime opportunity to ask your not not just basic intro level questions about the deck or the archetype but to actually get into the the nitty-gritty details here um so yeah, you can look forward to that uh, coming soon, TM. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you ever wanted to ask if you should really be playing that Blood Crypt in your consultation gel, or if it might be better spent on another land, yeah. now's the time. <laughs> uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll cover the next new development, and that's the uh, Twisted Tournament hosted by the Mystical Moras. Uh, that's going to be at the end of June, I believe. We'll have a uh, link to the actual poster with all the information uh, in the show notes for this episode, but uh, it's a webcam EDH tournament. Uh, great prize support uh, all the way like first through through eighth. And it's thirty two man tournament, so you know if you're feeling confident, uh, you know <laughs> go for it. Uh, by the time by the time there's only a few slots left in the tournament, so if you hear this, there might still be time to register. But if not, you might as well uh, check out the stream that's going to be happening uh, when when that uh, when that tournament goes on. Uh, and finally, our last piece, our last uh, new development. Uh, no, do you want to get this one? Yep. So, um, an old, like a very old pillar of Magic collaboration, MTG Salvation will be closing this coming July uh, and archiving. Uh, MTG Salvation's been around since some formats didn't even have names. Uh, we estimate, you know, 100, 200 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least, I mean, really. With uh, with radiometric dating, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a solid yeah, we know that. that doesn't mean there's you know not good stuff in there so yeah. take advantage of that, that resource put on still. your archaeo- yeah. archaeologist hat it's sort of <laughs> sad to see it go forms. it is I, I know I'd, uh, I think that's definitely how a lot of people get into the EDH format in general let alone just CDH you know seeing all those old primers and stuff you know the um, I think like some of Dan's old stuff on there definitely the uh, the cobble pot um, boom weave a carador primer yeah. up on there is a huge one i think that got a lot of people to format so it's sort of sad to see that go but um yeah you guys should check it out while you still can get well, your I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to yeah get, yeah. get your get, post get your uh your be, be the questions. La- try to get be the last person to have a, a post yeah. on there. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's get into our main topic uh which of course the overarching topic is should you be playing stacks? And so we're going to break this down into three subtopics. First being, what is stacks? For those who might not know what that is. Uh, topic two, the history of stacks in CDH. And topic three, which is stacks in the meta right now. Um, so let's jump into our first topic. What is stacks? Uh, Splain, do you want to kick things off? Sure. So uh, stacks is a form of proactive control deck uh, that y- looks to use permanent-based hate to attack its opponent's resources and stop them from executing their game plan. Uh, So it differentiates itself from typical reactive control decks by instead of playing something like a counterspell to counter a threat, 
you play a Winter Warp so they don't have the mana to play that threat in the first place. Um, and then you, uh, when everyone else is having difficulty playing the spells they need to be playing, you try and find a way to sneak a win in there and end the game. Okay, so where is this uh, this term stacks coming from? It's it originates from smokestacks, right? Like that's that's it. Yeah, 100%. yeah, guys, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you can keep going then if you want to. No, I'm, you keep I'm digging good. that well, hole. Someone, someone, <laughs> correct me here. What's what am I missing? So stacks for those uninitiated are. <laughs> hey man, I'm setting this up. <laughs> you don't need to don't need to beat me up. I'm setting the triggers up for guys. Okay? Those new to Those who haven't had a lot of experience with the game so far. Um, stacks. Uh, the original name of stacks comes from a early deck in Type One um, called the Four Thousand Dollar Solution. Um, which was basically uh, in a format dominated by storm decks and things that wanted to kill you real fast. Turn one, turn two is a good time frame for that. Um, there wasn't really a lot of ways to stop yourself from dying to a tendrils on the stack with ten copies above it. So what ended up happening was, I don't know who actually put it together initially, but uh, there was a deck put together that relied on the strength of Mishra's Workshop to power out Strong artifacts early, like Tangled Wire, Trinosphere, um, I believe Winter Orb, Static Orb at the time. Um, just really powerful artifacts early to basically lock decks in their tracks before they could get to the win. And then just sort of beat them to death with good old-fashioned cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, the 4K dollar solution coming from the fact uh, that, you know... Mistress Workshop isn't exactly the cheapest of card now, and it certainly wasn't at the time either. <laughs> Although it might have exploded in price <laughs> by yeah, a bit. <laughs> inflation and, you know, the speculator cabal doing their... <laughs> Damn it, Rudy! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as, as you might be able to guess, the 4K dollar solution doesn't exactly roll off the tongue when you're trying to list off what deck you're putting down on a deck sheet or saying online or whatever. Um, so what ended up happening was people moved the name from T dollar sign 4KS to dollar sign T 4KS. And if you sort of squint real hard and read it in elite speak, that looks a lot like stacks. So that's sort of where we get the name of the archetype from then. And for reference, when this deck was first created, Trinosphere was a new card. It had just been printed in Mirrodin in 2003. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to maybe give you guys a... We gave you, we gave you kind of like a more technical definition of, of stacks, gave you the origin of the word, but let's, let's give you some examples of some stacks pieces that actually see play in uh, CDH. So We've broken them down into some categories that, I mean, ultimately are kind of arbitrary, but, uh, you know, because there's so many different ways you could categorize these, and this is far from definitive, but this is this is what we've got. So we, we've got the categories as mana denial, taxes, hosers, spell restriction, and card denial. So, uh, Noel, do you want to do you want to? Read the uh, mana, de mana denial uh, list we got. Sure, uh, my specialty actually. Uh, mana denial it, uh, consists of things like Blood Moon, uh, Back to Basics, Orbs, uh, Tangle Wire, Armageddon, and cards like Mana Vortex. So the orbs being Winter Orb, Static Orb, 
stasis. Yeah, stasis-ish. Yeah. 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 Just really stuff that stops you from either like untapping your lands, just really using your lands yes. at all to good exactly. effect. Yeah. Um, next category, we've got taxes. Spleen face. Uh, so under taxes, we have uh, Sphere of Resistance, Thorn of Amethyst, Trinosphere, uh, Thalia, as well as stuff like Tabernacle or Kataki, uh, and good old Grand Arbiter. Yeah. Uh, the Hosers category uh, are, are cards that really hose um, particular strategies. So in here, you've got things like Null Rod, Stony Silence, Curse Totem, uh, stranglehold, even mind sensor, humility, rest in peace, graft digger's cage. So you know, lots of grave hate, deck tutoring hate, uh, artifact hate, and uh, creature ability hate. <laughs> Things that are all very powerful in CDH <laughs> yeah, so, in general. <laughs> yeah. um, there's obviously more specific ones that might see play in um, in stuff like modern, where you know people might play something like an ensnaring bridge to. Uh, hose creature based uh combat but that's something that in cdh there's all there's a bunch of cards we haven't listed that just aren't gonna see playing cdh yeah it's the same way that like you won't see uh stony stones and main boards in modern but you will see in staring bridge yeah. um where uh in staring bridge will hit a majority of decks in the formats that it sees play in and stony silence is sort of not whereas in cdh sort of the other way around where yeah. like combat isn't really that much of consideration a lot of the time, but a lot of the time people are playing broken mana rocks and yeah, you can yeah. <laughs> pretty consistently count on being able to hit those. Uh, next up, we have the category of spell restrictions. By this we mean stuff that sort of like stops you from playing multiple spells in a turn or seeks to sort of limit how much you can actually play out of your hand at any given point in time. Yep. So this includes stuff like Rule of Law, Aethersworn Canonist, Mana Maze, uh, Eidolon of Rhetoric, uh, Arcane Lab, stuff like that. Um, just... Either things that strictly say you can't play more than one spell a turn, or stuff that stops you from efficiently getting more cards out of your hand. Yeah. Um, and then our final category of card denial, Noel, take sure. away. Yeah, so uh, under card denial, um, these are cards that uh, try to prevent you from um, cashing in on that nice card advantage. So cards like Spirit of Labyrinth, Shades <laughs> of Mephistopheles, Ginger Taxis, and i.e. cards that this side of the table hates firmly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's there's sort of like cards that I guess you could place into categories, and obviously we didn't name some other cards. I do see playing CDH. Uh, off the top of my head, like Root Maze does see play. I guess yeah. that could go into a Mana Denial. Um, and then uh, you've got... Uh, this one is a bit harder to place, but uh, Possibility Storm, something that sees play in Goto and Narset, just kind of meddles with what your opponent's doing. It doesn't exactly Stop do them. any of these categories yet. It, it maybe fits under spell restriction. It messes with their head, not the resources. <laughs> yeah. It messes the with their will to live. Um, taxes the will. Yeah. <laughs> um, Would you like to pay the extra one? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's uh, let's let's get into the uh, history of stacks and CDH. So uh, all the members of this cast uh, started playing like true CDH roughly in the summer of 2017. So we decided to be prudent to reach out to some of the more seasoned members of the CDH community. So big thanks to Shaper Savant and Infinite IMOC for answering our uh, questions and helping us get a better understanding of how these stacks meta evolved over time. Uh, so there's really... Okay, so my understanding is that there's really like three 
eras ish, right? Yeah, like three and a half. Um, okay. but like really three like main ones. Um, and we sort of start with the history of stacks and CDH, really at the start of CDH as like concept. Yeah. Uh, which starts in the Partial Paris era, named after the Partial Paris Mulligan. Um, not going to go into the full detail on it right now, but the idea is basically the Partial Paris Mulligan allowed decks to more aggressively and more consistently look for specific pieces in their deck. So. Generally, the timer is a lot easier to find things like a mana crypt in your opening hand, or a soul ring in your opening hand, or or specific stacks pieces. Yeah. Um. So just before getting to the stacks at the time, I'm gonna give an overview of the general meta at the time, just so we can contextualize what stacks was dealing with. Um, it was mostly uh storm and mid range decks. Uh, so storm basically like Jaleva at the time. Uh, really like Brian's pile of broken. Uh, line of like train of thought at the time uh, and then we have like mid-range usually like Golgari based decks uh, looking like stuff like Gerard uh, Gave yeah <laughs> whatever you want to call it um, Kerador was that around? Uh, sort of uh, he, he wasn't really like fully developed at the time yeah, okay. um, to the best of my knowledge uh, but around there and then you also have uh, I believe uh, Narset at the time is mm, where yeah, she really yeah. cut her teeth and made the name for herself at this point in time um, so Really, if you really think about it, it's uh, a pretty limited range of strategies that see play at the time. Um, so it, it would, if you think about it, it's actually pretty easy to target that range of strategies with specific stacks effects. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't really a diversity of effects that you needed to be able to play into a meta. So you're looking at like rule of law effects, uh, grave hate effects for the mid range, like grave decks, and yeah. then like curse totems. Yeah, tax effects. Uh, just like the general good old stacks uh, mana denial effects. Yeah. Um, so really at the time, what the stacks, what a regular stack deck looks like um, is trying to power out like a Trinisphere on turn one with a Mana Crypt and like aggressively mulliganing toward that stuff. Or like doing like turn one Static Orbs or like turn one Thorn of Amethyst, that kind of stuff. Who, was, um, who are the uh, the primary stacks commanders in this era? So really, from what I can gather, the general consensus is that at the time, Derevi was really the only good stacks commander, um, which is sort of understandable considering how, like, even now, her, Derevi's weakness isn't really, like, the ability by which she breaks stacks, because she does that, or Very breaks well. parity on stacks. She yeah. does that really well, and she still did that at the time really well. Uh, Derevi plays under Tangle Wire stupidly easily. Same thing with Static Orb, same thing with Winter Orb, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, she, like, doesn't care about, like, even, like, sack stacks either. Like, uh, stuff like, um, uh... Uh, thing, uh, smokestack, smokestack, like yeah. because she just puts herself back into play with her ability. Um, like it's very easy for Drevi to play through stacks. Um, so at the time, it's a lot easier for Drevi to also like beat face and all that because mm -hmm. you can just lock people out of winning a lot easier, and then you just win with beats. Um, which winning is with so beats, what wow. a time! Yeah. <laughs> see, you can't, you can't see, but air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so that's that's the general uh, partial Paris era, and um, then the the delineation just being post partial yes. Paris. Uh, basically, as soon as, Mulligan, as, soon as yeah. we switch to the Vancouver Mulligan, it gets a lot harder to consistently go turn one Mana Crypt Trinosphere. Surprisingly enough, when you can't just aggressively Mulligan for both of those pieces every game. Yep. Um. So you lose. So first of all, you lose the ability to consistently find access to like a set of two or three stacks pieces to hit on a specific strategy every game. Um, it's a lot harder to find, like, 
consistently like one of your rule of laws every single game yeah um because three cards with vancouver mulligan just like isn't enough to always find in your opening hand uh, like it is for the partial pairs mulligan the other issue that this brings along is it also becomes a lot harder to find your win conditions um it's a lot harder to actually like find the cards in non-black decks to like actually win the game without like having to go through an entire beats war and everything like that um, so you see a downtick in Drevi by a lot now, right? Because it's, yeah. first of all, you can't find your consistent, like, early game plays to start logging people out of the game, and then you also have a really difficult time actually finding your win conditions and now. that's something Drevi still struggles with yeah. uh, and, to this day. And, like, yeah. even even with, like, the new, like, Nexus of Fate stuff, it's still, like, super difficult to actually find your uh, win condition on time yeah. in a timely matter. So that that's really where this problem starts with Drevi. Um... This is also, like, basically every other Stags deck takes this hit. Um, so they really have to figure out how to actually work around that. Um, and I think this is where we see the rise of, like, black-based uh, Stags decks. And also, like, hate-bear-based Stags decks. Because, we, as we all know, creatures are really easy to tutor. Yep. You can get to your tutors to your creatures very easily compared to, you know, like, artifacts. So you're leaning less else. on the mulligan and more on your just redundant copies in the tutors. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, stuff like that. So this is where we start to see, uh, like, Carador take off. So Boomweaver Carador uh, starts basically rocking, rocketing in popularity at this point. Um, it has, a at the time, a very solid win condition. Uh, it's fairly easy to get access to that compared to some of the other combos. And then you also get to, you know, recur your hate bears um, and yeah. just play, play like, the Abzan core of hate bears that still sees play to this day. Yeah. Um, so this is really, I think, again, from what I can gather, really the popularity peak of stacks, at least like close to true stacks at this point. Uh, and though it might be a lower power level than Partial Paris and probably lower power level than now, uh, I think a lot of people were still really interested in it this time because I think this also sort of coincides with the boom in popularity of people getting into EDH in general, especially CEDH. Yeah, yeah it's um, just like Return to Ravnica time, right? Wasn't that like the big boom? Believe so. so. Yeah. yeah. Boon Weaver Giant was printed in, in M15, yes. which was, I believe, immediately after Theros. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so around that. Around that. that yeah. yeah. But it was a couple like years later, but, or a year later, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like Return like, of Ravnica, Theros, Cons. It's where it's where we start like seeing like CDH actually like become an idea, like a, a real like concrete idea, right? And start picking up players, um, and then immediately everything changes after this. Everybody was sort of settling in. They're like, okay, this is this is pretty nice. I get to play. Game, I get to play my stuff. This is pretty <laughs> good. We're and, still in Eldrazi Winter, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and abruptly, we get the one, two, three punch of. Partners being printed, and then Kaladesh block and a Hawkon ban all at the same time. So suddenly, Kaladesh block was first. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Kaladesh I'm was still dizzy. Kaladesh was first. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can redo in, this. In a set, doesn't matter. In a seven month span, Kaladesh block was released. Partners were printed. Uh, Aether Revolt came out, and then Hulk was unbanned. Yes. <laughs> Which from September 2016 <laughs> to April 2017. Sun, suddenly, you get. Paradox Engine, Isochron Zephyr, plus Dramatic Reversal as a combo. Hulk. Razaketh. <laughs> Razaketh. Uh, well, not at the time. Um, Razaketh coming a bit later. Definitely. Okay, but I right mean, there. was... Oh, um, yeah, not Kalash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, that whole time frame, you suddenly everything gets access to better win conditions, and then also you actually get to play four color, which is a new thing. 
And also, somehow, the four-color commanders are better than any of the three-color commanders at the time. <laughs> um, so it's a really, it's a huge shift in, like, how people actually play the game at the top level in CDH. Um, it really goes from uh, having to rely on your commander, uh, which was at the time, like, it was, like, you, you really wanted to play, like, a powerful commander for a specific strategy to where you can now just sort of play with Timna X and jam staples <laughs> and just have a good consistent Timna. draw Timna. engine in the command zone. Um, so this is really where we see stuff uh, start to shift out of hard stacks. Um, this is Back, this is hate bears. Hate bears still now like even probably more pop more uh, strong than they were with in, yeah. in Carador meta. I um, even mind sensor draws me cards. <laughs> wow. wow. And honestly, not just one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it is actually it just a dark confidant. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, we we start to see the shift away from, like, uh, sort of, like, stacks to lock people out of the game to more uh, stacks to use to further your own game plan, really, uh, to like just, buy just, yourself more time. Kind of just, just to, to like, to just basically, basically to, to tie your opponent's shoes together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not to softer legs. Just, <laughs> oh, what's over there? <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, uh, it's, it's really like where we start seeing uh, that slowdown and, uh, really using stacks to buy time to get a win condition online. And this is also where we see, uh, like, really efficient win conditions start to make their way into stacks builds. Uh, where before, I think a lot of stacks actually have, like, fairly expansive value and combo packages uh, just to make it, like, actually easy to get into winning position win the game. Yeah. Your value, your value engine has been moved, has, like, mostly been offloaded to the command zone now. So you need to you don't need to dedicate as many deck slots to that, and with the new printing of uh, especially Felidar Guardian for Birthing Pod lines, you get to make your combo a lot more compact and a lot easier to get access to. Um, so this is now when we see the development of Blood Pod and Sisse, sort of the modern generation of what we would consider a stacks deck in CDH. Um, I mean, there there have been so so decks like like Yisan yeah. have been something that you, you could have been building for a while, right? With just yeah, sticking yeah, yeah. in stacks pieces, yeah. uh, and you're just a creature tutor engine like solid. But like these are yeah. these are like the new school yeah. of, of like four color stacks <laughs> yeah. with yeah efficient win conditions, just and, and, and really much more like, resilient yeah. and higher value engines. So if your Yisan dies or doesn't just immediately die to Deluge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, the, yeah, the thing before, like, especially. So I'm pretty sure, like, uh, especially having access to four colors worth of uh, cards is really what also helps make the win conditions better here. Because again, for the uh, birthing pod lines now, uh, the Kiki Jiki package is a lot more accessible mm -hmm. because you have uh, birthing pod plus Feldar Guardian plus Kiki Jiki for a win uh, off of Timna, and of course Karmic Guide. But you also now have access to uh, buried alive piles in the same deck. Yeah. And historically that didn't really exist, right? Like you didn't have enough colors or if you did, you were in five colors and you didn't really have a commander in the command zone. You had like really a placeholder. Just a color name. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, you know, Sisse, uh, printing a Paradox Engine makes it like really actually a deck that can win <laughs> the game and becomes yeah. a threat at the table. It's really an untap and win commander now. Um, so yeah, this is this is really... 
yeah the the shift away from playing hard stacks like hard stacks and stacks that you have a hard time bringing parity on to stacks that maybe is a bit less effective overall but you have a lot easier time breaking parity on and it's a lot more targeted right and so this is something that's going to continue into our it's, it's an idea that's going to get refined more as we talk about stacks in the current meta yeah uh but before we do that it's time for everyone's favorite segment uh, so in this segment, <laughs> Spleen, Spleen is shaking his head. This isn't already your favorite segment now. <laughs> yeah, shaking his head tremendously unimpressed. But yeah, so the, the, uh, this segment, what happens is I ask my co-hosts a question. And then they have, you know, they have to, they have to answer with the first thing that comes to their mind and then you guys also get to play along by joining us on Discord. There's a uh, gut check uh, channel on our server so you can respond to that survey. See what everyone else thinks and, you know, laugh at them for being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my gut check for this week or my gut check <laughs> for this episode is if you could remove one keyword ability from the game of Magic... What would it be? And this is, of course, in a commander context. So, what do you guys think? Flashback. Lying. Dredge. <laughs> You're all wrong. The correct... <laughs> Appreciate your answers. The correct answer, of course, is partner. Hard disagree. <laughs> Patting myself yeah. on the back, accepting my, uh, my, my trophies, you know, in the mail. Email, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the hero this format needs. Yeah, that's all. It was as simple as having a keyboard. Don't we just know about that one. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's move on to the uh, final topic, which is stacks in the current CDH meta. So yeah, this is basically we're we're gonna piggyback off of what we left off with the history of stacks. Oh, sorry, with uh, with we're, the history of stacks in CDH. Just the the post uh, partners Hulk unbanned Kaladesh block era. That's like I said when when uh, Sick Robots started talking about that. We're still in Eldrazi Winter. We're still in this in this in this hellhole. This is Westeros where winters can last for like three or four years. Yeah. Um, so partners still running rampant. Hulk still running rampant. But uh, stacks is kind of leaking into a bunch of other decks. Yeah. Well, and also the stack pieces that see play have definitely, I think, shifted from what was seeing play like immediately after partners got unbanned. Like I think there's been a market shift. Yeah, who is running who is running Graftigger's cage <laughs> like at any point previous? Like Graftigger's cage is now just like he's like, oh I can support Graftigger's cage. Goes in my deck. One <laughs> yeah. better yeah. good enough. Yep, yeah, let's jam that. Yeah. Uh but like really at the time, um, and especially from my experience playing online, I don't know about your specific experience, but um even like directly after the partners unban, um and the or sorry, the partners print and the Hulk unban, um, there wasn't really like a lot of Hulk going around. Or at least not a lot of flash Hulk going around. Uh Breakfast was definitely a deck that existed. 
uh, but it hadn't exactly picked up a ton of steam yet. Yeah, and there weren't like a um, trillion and, Hulk yeah, variants. There, there yeah. wasn't the Hulk renaissance as there is now that's happened. There weren't, the last there few weren't just months. people randomly posting God tier Hulk piles on, <laughs> on, <laughs> on Reddit for yes. everybody else to pick up on. Um, so it was, it was like, I, I think it was definitely like less of a consideration. Um, and it, like, it, it was sort of like, yes, this exists, but like, I can rely on other people to interact with it or whatever, or like, I can just stick a rip in my deck and rip will deal with Hulk. Yeah. Um, rather than having to dedicate all these slots to it. I think more at the time, it was there was still a real prevalence of ad nauseum decks, uh, just in general. Um, I think ad nauseum is like, it, it's definitely still a good card now, but at the time, I, I really think it was like the card to beat. It, yeah. it was sort of like the thing that you put in your deck to make it good. Um, and uh, coming along with that, sort of like, on the same axis, um, food chain was also pretty popular. You know, uh, Tazri had recently but that 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 released. deck's dead now. Right? Like, <laughs> who's playing food um, chain anymore? Definitely not. <laughs> no, I will I mean, say food chain Tazri is definitely not the deck it used to be. It's, no, it's outclassed a little bit. It hasn't changed, but <laughs> it's been very outclassed. Um, yeah, there's been some spicy new food chain. Dude, watching give. Watsi is great. I can't. How could they possibly beat Food Chain Niv? Like there will never be a better Food Chain. Yeah, there'll never be a better Food Chain commander in the history of Magic. And if Magic going forward right now, I'm just staking that. You could right hold me to my word. Yeah. <laughs> there, it is impossible. It is better. It is impossible to print a better Food Chain commander than Food Chain Niv. That being said. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so really at the time you have like Adnaz and Fruit Chain as like the two big archetypes, and like Breakfast Hulk is picking up popularity, but it's not like really the, like the monster that it is now. Um, yeah. and both I mean, of those people added Hulk to their character. Oh, decks. oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. It was just like uh, the the threat of being Flash Hulk consistently yeah. was just yeah. like not <laughs> at all the oppressive force. And like if you notice, both Ad, both Adnaz and Fruit Chain get hit pretty hard by Rule of Law effects. And that was really, I think, like, the majority of stacks effects that were seeing play at the time. Yeah. Um, it was just, like, a, there, were, there were, I specifically remember, like, a lot of people were jamming, like, three Rule of Law effects in their decks. Because it just hit, like, everything. Now, right? Nowadays, it's, you've got a lot lot of resiliency in, in decks baked in. Like, pe- the, the decks have, the decks that have kind of rose, rose to the top of the, uh, the tiers are decks that are quite resilient on many fronts to stacks. And whether or not that's actually a direct reaction to the stacks that we're seeing play in in the metas, or if that's just how it is, and then the stacks have been sort of adapted in response to that, uh, you're you're just seeing this resiliency index. So you've got Gitrog and Shuffle Hulk, who are uh, very resilient to single target grave hate. So that's something that's, well, it's not really stacked, but something that's kind of gone. Gitrog and and Shuffle are just actually just both pretty resilient to stacks generally. Like you used to be able to get away with like playing against Carador or playing against uh, like news piles. Yeah. Um, You used to be able to get away with playing like a Relic Progenitus or playing with a... um, uh, Tormod's Crypt or the uh, Nikhil Spell Bomb. Yeah. Um, now it just doesn't really cut it. You really need like hard grave hate, and it can be hard for stack decks that also want to use the graveyard yeah, to be able to use those. There's decks like uh, like Gitrog or who can play around effects like Curse Totem yep. using Cleanup Sculpt or Chains of Mephistopheles. So you kind of it's hard to attack them on that front or Rule of Law. You know, 
comboing off, being able to combo off at instant speed yeah. is something that's uh, really taken a, a high priority in the meta. And so rule of law just becomes, you know, I always stop you on your turn. Well, I'm going to try to combo off on uh, on the next turn. Oh, the blue player tried to cast a spell. That's great. I get yeah. to plan the response. Um, and then we also see stuff like that is just sort of like naturally stacks resistant to most things as well. Like especially uh, the rise of consult has and been like a huge N- deal. Najila and as like well. Najila as yeah. well, and just like these decks that like don't really lose to any stacks. <laughs> like Najila, Najila definitely has uh, like some issues with Curse Tartum, uh, but like and Blood Moon and Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like uh, having just like Naj- Druid's repository, man. Come on, I, I've so definitely easy. like seen Najila like outbeat stacks decks too, right? Just like in the Beats War, yeah. Like the stacks doesn't have time to get uh, Elshnorn on the board, or they don't you have try to establish. To you try something. to establish a lock to shut them off of their main primary win con, yeah. and then they're just going to keep beating yeah. in. And uh, yeah, uh, wow, all growth is mountains like, exponential growth. <laughs> Yeah, like stacks, <laughs> like you spend like your first three turns establishing stats piece to lock up the rest of the table. They spend yeah. their first three turns going dark and a swing and then yeah. swing again and then keep doing that. And then like console is just like sort of basically impossible to stacks out. I mean, like you can you can you can delay it, but like you're not going to stop it from winning with just stacks yeah. all the time. Um, so I mentioned that stacks is sort of leaking into other decks, and so this is what we were talking about with. People stacks as tempo pieces, so like Graph Digger's Cage and Gitrog. Uh, some Zerlists are you know on I'm, not many of them. I I have a list that's on Graph Cage, <laughs> rest in peace, but many of them are trying to take advantage of Yog Wheel, so that's not really a possibility. But even Mind Sensor, if you can jam it and it's not too costly to your strategy, that is so effect. Honestly, so many decks now, yeah, yeah. Curse yeah. Totem, Null Rod, those kinds of effects are just getting jammed. To take advantage of uh, of that that tempo swing and sometimes just like time walking or screwing your opponent's greedy keep things yeah. like that. Yeah, and it's like definitely like I think at least in my personal opinion, it's sort of I think it's like I view it as like a liability to a deck if you can't efficiently play one of Sony Silence or uh, Curse Totem. Yeah, right. Like if oh, yeah. if if you can't just jam one of those profitably. And be able to use it against a meta of like that type, yeah. then like that's a real issue because like then you're probably vulnerable to both of those, and there are definitely going to be people jamming those pieces. And, and that mentality is what kind of created the current meta game, right? Is, yeah, is like being too vulnerable to stacks means that at a table of four players, you're you're shutting yourself off yeah. pro- proactively. Um, so if we want to go over a uh, just. A list of some of the the stacks commanders um, or decks that are, are really seeing play. Not just the the decks that are running tempo stacks, but the more dedicated stacks decks that are seeing play. Because there are still some. Um, but one one of the things is that there is they're not like like in in eras past they're not dedicated stacks winning through beats. Yeah, it's they have you call them dedicated stacks because they have easy access to stacks pieces. And they run a lot of them, but they've still got a really solid uh, path to victory. Yeah. So <clears throat> Yisan is one where they're yeah. running all the spheres, um, but then they've also just and then some of their uh, the things they can find have yeah. stacks like effects. Yeah. Uh, uses root maze very profitably, which is like yeah. a difficult thing to yeah. find in this current meta game. 
Um, but yeah, so Yisan um, is one of those where I still call it sort of a dedicated stacks yeah. deck. Um, Sisse having access to Linvala um, and now with New Karn, yeah. Asymmetrical Null Rod. Asymmetrical Null Rod and Curse Totem, just like basically like the toolbox access that she has to those is just nuts. Yeah. Right? What's funny about that too is Sisse is vulnerable, vulnerable to both Null Rod and <laughs> <laughs> But if you can find one sided versions yeah. in the command zone. Great. Um, so then Blood Pod is something that's kind of actually been moving away from stacks. Uh, towards the yeah, more the, metapod the new metapod yeah. version is like uh i think a lot of it was they uh they realized that like no matter really how hard you try stacks really has a difficult time against hulk specifically mm-hmm. um just like it, it's hard to get the relevant stacks online in time um and like there's there's not a lot of stacks pieces that fully shut it off i think so like i think what they realized was like we can pivot more and like start using the graveyard instead. Like stop trying to like try to lock it out and just like yeah. deny ourselves from using it, and instead use the graveyard and use that as part of our uh, like strategy to try to win the game. Um, there's you know self plug here Anafenza <laughs> with a uh, one sided rest in peace for creatures in the command zone. Pretty solid against Gitrog and Flash Hulk metas, but it's it definitely. It has it has abilities to win, but it does it does suffer from you know not having that card advantage in the command zone and the no blue problem. Yes, in general. that's a classic problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some some we can list some of the decks that have kind of been like yeah. phased out. So Doretti, not really that got phased out with partial Paris. Uh, yeah, Doretti hasn't really been a big dragon force the metaphor no. a long time now. um brago i um, guess Bra- brago still sort of exists i yeah. think there's definitely uh exploration to be done with brago um like he, he is one of the few like blue white commanders that actually has like a decently solid win condition mm-hmm. um as opposed to like when you look at like stuff like even like tygum is like the next high step that list and like tygum still like has a I lot mean, of grand issues. arbiter is one that also has a stacks piece in the yeah. command zone but does struggle to win yeah. the game yeah um so yeah like i i think like Brago is probably where you want to go if you actually like want to brew a stack stack and blue white that can win the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh Brago and Grand Arbiter, the big ones. Um Rukthar doesn't see that much play anymore. Nath, not so much. Uh Derevi, not so much. Oh, uh <laughs> holding out, man. <laughs> They're making updates. <laughs> Some people have been on Aminatu stacks, is that right? Um, a shot. I think so. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a bunch of people play it. There's I a lot it's... of new cards that are fun in that deck and to brew with. Uh, I think it generally is pretty weak because it isn't really a value engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I, she, it does break its parity well, but it's not really. She's just a, like even by Planeswalker standards, she's very fragile. Yeah. And you don't want to be putting random cards in your deck to make to block for your commander. Yeah. Um, I, I think the one. Good thing, good thing about her though is that like she's she's in Esper and she can pretty good colors. Yeah, yeah. good colors, (laughs) and you can also pretty effectively run humility. Oh yeah, that's definitely right. Um, Like there's there's some there's some decks that have been experimenting with humility. We mentioned I think last episode the Oman deck, which is uh, a Lauro humility (laughs) mid range ad nauseum, and (laughs) uh, 
Yeah, so and then Zer, Zer, some Zer yeah, decks have been the, testing with humility. The the other version of Omen. Yeah. <laughs> the one with the Necropotence in the command zone. Yeah, also like lots of solid stacks pieces in the command zone. Yeah. If you can just find, you know, rest in peace, yeah. uh, rule of law, uh, back to basics, whatever whatever the meta calls for. I think and Zer- a Vortex is a good one because you yeah. don't have to sacrifice the land when you play it. Yeah. True. I think like Zer stacks is like. I actually, I think it probably is pretty good. I think just like historically, I, people that have built Xur stacks have just been like, I'm going to play every single stacks piece I can get my hands on. I'm playing all the orbs. I'm playing Trinosphere. I'm playing whatever the one that makes all the stuff come in tapped is. I'm like as deep as I can go on stacks pieces. That's yes. the one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kismet 2 will jam all yeah. of it. Um, and oh yeah, so actually one thing that's uh, not on this list that, that we've got in our show notes, but I wanted to mention is that uh, Godo has actually been transitioning <laughs> towards more of a Staxi build. So when Godo was, when Helm the Host was first announced, uh, my first brew for the Godo deck was like Godo Helm Stax. And uh, many of the other people who are in charge of the primer now, who is uh, uh, Tony S and Insert Clever Freeze here, are actually, uh, they, they were on a much more focused linear build. Um, but actually, many more Stax pieces are getting added into Godo. So uh, talk of Tabernacle getting added in and uh, Three Ball, uh, Trinosphere, um, and uh, some other spheres potentially. So it's it's really slowing down to try to be more um, adaptive on, on the stacks front because it actually does break parity pretty well in those. Effects. I think it's actually a pretty good direction. I, I don't think I was ever really in love with the idea of trying to race in mono red with an 11 mana combo <laughs> like you're you're in the you're in the color of rituals but Dude, like i, 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 I was never a fan of, man That's, I, was, I was never a huge fan of trying to raise ad nauseum and flash <laughs> yeah uh but you know slamming yeah. spheres or or dropping clasms and stuff yeah dude, solid yeah. as long as as long as you like you have you still have like the high impact like stuff that actually gets you to your combo and if you can fit the stacks pieces in i think it's probably a pretty neat direction to take it in okay i think that about wraps up the uh oh sorry do we want to uh let, let's just answer these two quick questions before we move on to the the next topic which is why is stacks good right now anyone want to jump in on this one um i think so i think stacks as an archetype has lost a bit but i think stacks pieces like individually have gained a lot of play um, I think, like, Stacks is really good right now just because, like, uh, the ability to target your meta, uh, like, really, like, focused, in a focused way, uh, focused manner, and, like, just be able to play, like, these high-impact pieces for, like, low mana cost, low investment that just, like, shut off the rest of the table really easily, and then you still get to do your thing. Like, I think that's still a very powerful thing to be able to do, and I think it's a good argument for why stacks pieces are still good well it also kind of works like in in this very explosive and often tempo driven meta stacks pieces kind of function like temporary x for ones like if you shut off all of your opponent's dorks maybe you're shutting off five cards from them and yes eventually they remove your curse totem and they get them back but for three turns, you were up two cards on each opponent yeah. for yeah. one of yours. And so if you can win in that turn based on that advantage, then Interestingly it doesn't too, matter that the advantage was only temporary. With stacks is that if if it's a, uh, let's say something like a graph cage, and there's uh, a Yisan and a Hulk player in that pod, there's you kind of get into stalemates where 
each is kind of reluctant to remove it preemptively. <laughs> remove it, I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, here's here's my secret meta tech for the four-way health mirror, is you play Grafdigger's Cage, and then nobody ever wants to remove it, because they know as soon as they tap the mana to remove it, everybody else is flashing on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so man. it's, it's like even, yeah. even if you play like a ley line right like even if you can win through it nobody else wants to remove it because they know as soon as they remove it everybody else is unlocked too yeah there you go um <laughs> Nal, do you have anything to say on why is stacks good yeah i think um i kind of have just a comment about stacks and it's more that um the stacks decks um have moved away from being fully saturated with stacks and it's more spread out between decks so it's more of a disperse stacks uh, yeah. meta. and that kind of um yeah that speaks to the whole idea of like cornering the metagame when you when you add up all the stacks that everyone has in their deck it's basically like there's a fifth player at the table playing <laughs> it's still same now actually <laughs> coincidentally i think that is actually like a cool thing for stacks going forward is that like the more people that pick up stacks pieces to put in their decks just for value, the better dedicated stacks actually becomes because because you can take all the stacks pieces out. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, because the whole thing is like stacks has always had that so problem where like you need like a lot of time you need somebody else's help at the table we to a stable equilibrium to, of stacks to, <laughs> to slow down the game, right? And Super like saturated meta solution. Of right, <laughs> right now people are doing really that. People, people are helping you to establish a slower game at the table. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you go to yeah. cast rest in peace. Someone tries to counter it. Someone will counter the counter yeah. yeah yeah um and then uh question here why is stacks bad right now uh i mean my answer is flash hulk but <laughs> i mean flash hulk is a <laughs> yeah, part of it it's just that hyper fast <laughs> wind conditions are so fast and like with four colors and just the focus on slot efficiency everyone's deck has is so efficient that you can't you can't hold people down for long enough to have a concise inefficient like to have a, a low card count inefficient win plan actually go off before somebody finds a way through your stacks. There's yeah. just like because now everyone can play the tutors from black and the counter spells from blue and you know green dorks and still have another color and not be limited to only Sultai generals, everyone can find their way through stacks faster. So if your goal is to hold everyone down until you can win, you have to be winning quickly yeah um i've got one final question on this topic for you guys and it relates to the title of this episode hmm. should you be playing stacks hmm? right now <laughs> I, I think i think based off our uh our, our our discussion here my answer is yes run the stacks pieces that you can get away with yeah um yeah like you should be playing stacks pieces, not stacks. Not decks. not stacks yeah. decks. <laughs> that's um, is, that's a I good think, way to yeah. that's a good way to sum it up. Also, they're not as fun to goldfish while we record. So <laughs> oh, yeah, right no. now, <laughs> don't do it. Um, okay, so we've got a final kind of mini, mini topic, yeah. yeah, which is what will stacks look like going forward? And I'll I'll kick things off by saying. This is really hard to tell because it, yeah. <laughs> it, this changes depending on new cards that get released in sets, uh, whether or not they decide, the RC finally decides to listen to all my 
jabberings on Twitter and finally banned Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, guys. I'm you know you know Worm Tongue from Lord of the Rings. He's <laughs> 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 whispering into the, the Rohan, the yeah, King yeah. of Rohan. Yeah. Here. Rohan. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> in the, all the CAG members' Twitter feeds. Like just <laughs> ban Flash, ban Flash. I just <laughs> I'm I imagine I, I imagine I imagine you walking into the hall of Sheldon trying yeah. to. I'm just saying, you have no power here. <laughs> okay, so anyone else uh, have any comments on the on stacks going forward? Well, I for one have a sneaking suspicion. I don't know why, it's, it's just a hunch. I have a sneaking suspicion that for some reason rule of law effects are going to pick up steam really Ooh. soon for some reason. I don't know. They're not really good against Hulk decks or anything like that, but I feel like we could see a big resurgence of I some can also see maybe some like types. hate bears being seen play that, you know or maybe maybe more null rods, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. No, okay. <laughs> you, you know actually I think Cursed Totem is probably a better idea going forward. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no, I, I think I think I will agree with me on this point. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with myself twice on this one. <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, uh, spleen anything, or should we shall we move on? Um. Yeah. I, I just I think that people are going to be moving even more towards like stacks is going to have to become an even more meta call, so it's going to be hard to play stacks into a blind meta. Um. And yeah, the pieces that hit existing decks hard and are reasonably easy to play around are going to start appearing in as many decks as can safely run them. Uh, and it's going to be interesting until I want, like until we hit the next big change. It's possible maybe we'll get some planeswalk, some more. I mean, we have yeah. Jace, but now some more planeswalkers that make humility viable. I can see the rules committee doing something there or. Uh, wizards printing a planeswalker commander yeah. that can actually play humility effectively. Um, um, maybe printing like uh, I, th I think something that could uh, happen would be um, printing like some cheap like black based commander that breaks parity really easily on some effects. I think like a, a green black based commander like maybe tack on an extra color that like happens to break parity on a green black blue commander that. that draws cards <laughs> when lands enter the graveyard from anywhere. <laughs> Maybe I'd love maybe. to see a new Jund commander. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe something that I don't know uh, combos with like Teferi's Puzzle Box or something like that. Like something that like stops people from like drawing cards and like helping with the Tim medicine. Never <laughs> freely involved. Freely <laughs> involved. Um, okay, so we'll uh, get into our listener question. Uh, so this episode. ASO slash Aaron uh, asks, is it correct to stop a player's value slash draw engine instead of saving your interaction for protecting your future combo or to stop another player's combo attempt? ASO, stop interacting with my draw engine. <laughs> God, I just want to resolve a compost. Why can't you let me resolve a compost? <laughs> I think that countering a Sylvan library is probably a good idea. Yes. <laughs> um... Maybe not with the force of will, but maybe with I, the maybe force with will. the force. I don't know. It certainly depends. <laughs> D definitely with the spell pierce. It really does depend on the pod, though. You, I yeah. think you do need to read on how long the game is going to go because if if you're you're like man, this this game is going to be over. Like I, I'm just 
sick robot has Flash Hulk. He's a massive luck sack. I can just tell. And <laughs> he, has, he has that smirk on his face. Yeah. Makes. He's trying to he's trying to convince me to tap out. So <laughs> I know he has it. But yeah, so he's maybe, talking at BTS yeah. Flash. He played his grab diggers cage. He's waiting for everyone to destroy it. <laughs> so that's that's when you want to. Uh, Sandbag your interaction for the win. If you've got a hard read on someone having having a win, or they're going to make a combo attempt. But otherwise, like if the game is going to be protracted, I think that it's it's pretty real to counter someone's or remove someone's uh, uh, value engines. Like it feels weird. Like I don't know if I'd I'd go so far as to like counter Bob or like that one card a turn. Probably not. I think I would remove Bob. I don't think I would counter Bob. I, I think I'd. I don't know if I'd like path a Bob. Or sorry, or swords a Bob. I think so. I th- I think it's like for me a lot of the time. Like I think I'd sword the Bob if it's a Tim the player with the Bob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I like. I think like and like this sounds like a very specific situation, but like I like just from like me playing some out of four color Rashmi a fair amount, like, going to grind games. This is, like, one that actually happens a fair amount. Um, the situation that I end up countering value engines in a lot is one player bricks or is going to have a very hard time winning the game. The other one is somehow being shut down by, like, a stack speed at the table or somebody else obviously having the exact correct interaction to shut them down. Yeah. And then me and somebody else are fighting the war to try to draw the most cards. And specifically in that situation, like, it's very, very likely that I'm going to, like, remove a Timna. I'm going to, like, if they try to play a Rhystic Study, I'm just going to be like, no, I need to counter this so I can keep ahead in the card war. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, I think it's a lot of the time it's, like, I will counter a value engine. Like, it's, the, the closer the game is to a 1v1, the more likely I am to counter a value engine a lot of the time. No, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, my thoughts exactly. Almost like I think the closest you get to a racing situation is when you have to think about you know short or making your opponent's wheels smaller. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose also just obvious obvious play is obvious. Misstep the remora. <laughs> Don't save the misstep for like. No, 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 I'm waiting for you, the boiler. You trigger. obviously have to misstep my turn one carry and feeder. Why yeah. would you ever save a mental misstep? Yeah. I would misstep your turn. <laughs> yeah, I, and I know you would. I don't think that's wrong. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hit a Lanor elf, but I would hit a. Carry would you? Okay. Well, okay. But where, where, where's the line there? Would you hit a Deathrite Shaman? If I was playing a deck that really cared about Deathrite Shaman, sure. maybe. Okay. But no, if the store's about to close, you mental misstep. <laughs> yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone have anything else to say, or do you think we've about covered this? Um, I guess I would just say that uh, it's very obvious when you lose to not having a counterspell for someone's win condition. Yeah. It's a lot less obvious when you lose because they drew five cards that they didn't have to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you counter their ad nauseum and they counter back I mean it's possible that they wouldn't have had the ad nauseum it's also possible that they wouldn't have had the counter spell and then you still would have been in the same situation but if somebody else had interaction or, or something like that even the mana to cast the ad nauseum or even in the, the first mana place. to cast the ad nauseum so there's all sorts of like it's very easy to look at the cards that actually end the game and not look at how they got into your opponent's hand yeah uh, I, I, I see that a lot with um 
Uh, I mean, like, this isn't anybody's like, get specific at none. Uh, but, like, I'll, I'll, I'll see a lot of people, just from my experience on Shovel Hulk, I will, I will sit on a Timna for, like, four turns and be drawing at least two cards every turn. And then I go for the win and I have a packed force and a fluster storm. And people yeah. will be like, he just had it. There's no way we could have beat him that game. Like, he just drew the exact correct card. And it's like... Make his Timna cost five <laughs> yeah, mana. 20 and cards. It's, it's of like, course I found the one. It's like, I no, because I didn't win with the Flash. I won with the other pieces that I drew. Like, I had yeah. a Sackle in play. I just... It was easy to draw and literally anything. And then I got to dedicate my tutors to finding interaction because you guys let me draw with a Timna this entire time, right? Whereas, like, it's it's very easy to write that off as I got Luxac by Flash Hulk. And he had, like, all the counter magic and we couldn't do anything about it. But, like, if you look at the stuff behind that it's like well you let me like you guys tapped out on these specific turns you let me get in with timna you didn't analyze that like some of the tutors that i was getting may have been going for protection instead of combo pieces yeah basically just agreeing with what spleen said <laughs> yeah easy just okay. okay. uh so spleen uh our next uh, listener question uh, our, our next listener question comes from Meepomatic, and it is, besides getting your reps in, do you have any strategies or exercises that promote your growth as a player? Push-ups, sit-ups. <laughs> 100-kilometer run every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jumping jacks. Uh, low, don't, don't turn the uh, AC on in the summer, and don't turn the heat on in the winter. Yeah. Cold showers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drink your school, don't do milk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go to drugs <laughs> okay um, cool. um, really uh i i think um a really big one for me anyway is just being uh, thinking about games after they finish um i like i know like a lot of people like even i do this whenever i'm just hopping online to play games like you just play an autopilot you just like you're, you're just talking with people you're playing a deck you you chose some like you roulette the wheel on Whatever decks you have open online, you're just like, yeah, dude, pick this one, play it. So this does this extend to you know laying awake at night thinking about your punts? <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> you should just don't punt. Yeah. I could have just killed the Tim now, right then. <laughs> you should be spending an hour every day meditating on your mistakes. <laughs> no, but uh, just like actively, actively, when a game finishes, actively put thought into if you won, why did you win? Not just like. I cast a flash, I won the game, or I cast the Gitrog monster, hey, I won the game. What like what what sequence of events led to you winning that game, right? My opponent's throwing <laughs> TBH. <laughs> uh, like if your opponent's yeah. tapped down, they all misplayed and you won. Like, great, yeah. cool. But like make make sure that you're acknowledging that every yeah. time, right? So like it like make sure that like, yeah, like if the three people before you tapped out and you're like, this is a smart time to jam my commander and win the game, great. Just like internalize that. And if it's a lot more complicated than that, then, like, maybe, like, you don't have to go through the entire game. You don't have to, like, watch replays if you don't want to. Just, like, think about, like, yeah, like, what are alternate lines? Why did I win? Why did I lose? What led to me winning or losing? Da -da -da -da. Another thing that, that I really like to focus on is trying to put myself in the headspace of my opponents. Um, so when I'm playing games or, you know, sometimes I watch streams or whatever, I try and come up with winning lines for them, for example. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say them, but I would think, okay, they're casting a Demonic Tutor. You know, what would they find here that would really, like, lock up the game? You know, thinking about what they're likely to interact with, what they're not likely to interact with, um, and then, you know, why they might be making certain decisions. Um, and just, if you if you pay close attention to what everyone's doing, 
it's almost like you're playing four games for every one game you play. <laughs> yeah. because also, you, you look, and you get an exposure to how certain decks play and yeah. how certain players play. You also just look super sick when they resolve a Demonic Tutor and before they cast their spell, you just call exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> per, personally, like actually, yeah. I, I, I make it a game out of just calling what people are tutoring because it's the oh, greatest. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so I much fun. I do the fun. same thing. And it's, and so, it really, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good it's, practice it's great, for yeah. reading what your opponents yeah. have in hand. A lot of the time, like it really it's, fucks. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is, if you call it correct, people will tutor another thing to spite you. Yeah. So you're winning anyway. <laughs> yeah, we call this game "Glasses of Urza." Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. What about you? Yeah, uh, for myself, um, I try to uh, look at other people's deck lists and try to play test decks I've never play tested before, um, except Pibrog. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's way too complex. So for for me, um, what I do a lot of is just cr- brewing decks, grinding on Scryfall or Deck Builder or whatever. Just going through cards, thinking about combo lines, um, and kind of I I do, or at least. Until I were until I figured out the sixty step loop for Anafenza, I would think about that every night while I was falling asleep. It was the equivalent of counting sheep. First, you have to come up with the notations. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, and one night I just it just hit me, and so I, I I had it. But yeah, so like just thinking about loops, thinking about lines. I know before I did that, I thought about uh, when I was learning Yisan. I just did Yisan verse lines uh, while going to bed. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> It's a great way to fall asleep, okay? But yeah, so then it, it helps you, like, it, it, you, it becomes second nature when you just think about it all the time, right? Or like you're yeah. going through your deck list, really justifying every single card choice, uh, playing games of magic in your head. You're like, yeah. when is this useful? And trying to, and evaluating all these cards, thinking about uh, your deck. I very, very rarely goldfish. And... I still think I I can come up with pretty solid deck decisions just based off my own methodology. Um, And it really helps me kind of have a really solid understanding of my deck. And then when I do this for other decks, helps me understand my opponent's decks as well, which is why you can kind of predict what they're going to do. And that's a massive advantage in CDH. I actually think I'm on the other side of goldfishing, um, where like I goldfish a lot, but like oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really do it productively. But like I think it actually it can be productive um, when like I'll I'll do like uh, if I have just like shuffle sitting in front of me, just like sleeped up. I'll like if I'm in a practice game online and like people are taking their turns, I'll just goldfish hands of shuffle while people are like taking their turns and doing stuff or like searching <laughs> the library, right? Just like yeah, yeah. playing through whatever. Yeah, a goldfishing strategy I have is when I, I look at a hand and I try to think if I could replace one card in my hand with a card that's not in my deck, could I win the game right now? Yeah, yeah. solid. That's a great yeah. one. And it's like, okay, that's my cut. That's my include. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <clears throat> more on the deck building side. When you're considering deck choices, also, when you're playing, be aware, kind of do like a little mental substitution, like think about a card that you're considering adding, thinking how often is it that you wished you could have tutored it. If you're looking at a couple potential cards for the cut, think about those cards, you know, it, like a specific hate piece. Do you ever tutor for it? Or is it just like, oh, I drew it and it was kind of nice, but it doesn't seem worth it for me to look for a cursed totem in my, I don't know, cast deck or something like that. Um, so be aware when you're thinking about substitutions and changes that you want to make, try and sort of synthetically evaluate how the change would affect your deck when you are playing a game. 
the baby board is really where the most important decisions happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was actually a really solid question because I'm, I'm surprised that we all had different, like solidly different answers yeah. and they were all very good answers. And I think they can be helpful to uh, lots of our listeners out there. To be clear though, getting your reps in is also a great <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just, establish a just, play group. Just <laughs> jamming hundreds of games online, online is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, so that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod, via our email, IntoTheNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite for link, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash IntoTheNorthPodcast. Thank you, as always, to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo. Next episode will be out very, very soon, and that will be our set review of uh, Modern Horizons. Until then, see ya.